1: Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we defend your brain with weird and wonderful science. I'm Ian Wolfe. In this episode, we delve into how autoimmune diseases affect many more females than males. Lachlan Gray is a PhD candidate at the Garvin Institute and the University of New South Wales. His research is into how the X chromosome contributes to the female bias in autoimmune disease. Lachlan was one of the scientists who performed in the Future Science Talks comedy edition shows, and he works with Future Science Talks. I met up with him in a studio at the University of New South Wales and began by asking him, What is autoimmune disease?
2: So with autoimmune diseases, it's basically when your immune system becomes confused or dysregulated or disturbed in some way, and you, your immune system begins to attack itself. So ones that most people would be familiar with would be multiple sclerosis, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, and there's about a hundred different autoimmune diseases and they're all quite unique. So they all have different organs that are affected, but the underlying biology is very similar. Basically, your immune system, particularly B cells producing these like antibodies and things, begin to attach to your yourself, like proteins that you're producing, and then that causes these really destructive immune responses.
1: And men and women are not affected the same way by these diseases, or or the the incidence, rather, the incidence of these diseases is not equal. With men and women.
2: Yeah, so the the language is really more like males and, and females here. So it's more about the biological sex that we're um, interested in. but so if you take all people with an autoimmune disease, eighty percent of those will be female, or another way of saying it, eighty percent of those will have more than one X chromosome.
1: So it's connected to the number of X chromosomes, how likely you are to suffer from autoimmune disease.
2: That's the hypothesis of my PhD, that's the overarching area. But of course, these autoimmune diseases are really, really complicated and there's many other components as well. I don't wanna make it seem that this is the only angle, but that leads, I think just that sheer disproportion effect of males and females does lead to thinking, okay, what is different about males and females that may be contributing to it? So naturally one would think maybe sex hormones So estrogen and testosterone having an effect. And then, of course, the X chromosome, because males are XY and females XX. And so the focus of my PhD is looking at this really interesting, complex dynamics of the X chromosome and its contribution to the immune system and autoimmune disease.
1: So how many more females than males suffer from autoimmune disease in the population?
2: Yeah, so in the population in Australia, for example, I believe it's between 5 to 10% of the Australian population has an autoimmune disease. So that's quite a lot of people who have these you know, really debilitating conditions. And then, as I said before, if you take you know that whole proportion, 80% of those will be females. But then each of these diseases has their own proportions. So there's a condition called Sjogren's syndrome where... The immune system, or B cells, these, these immune cells, these antibody-producing immune cells, they produce these antibodies against the salivary glands and the lacrimal glands, which is the tears-producing gland. And if you were to take all of the patients with that, the female-to-male ratio is 12 to 1. So there's clearly some sex-related effect to this disease.
1: Are there some common symptoms that would lead people to be diagnosed with autoimmune diseases?
2: Or are they all very different? So, I mean, I'm not a medical doctor, but from my understanding, the symptoms can be uh, similar, but of course, very, very different depending on. So if you think about it, like inflammatory bowel disease, so the Crohn's disease, or ulcerative colitis, those symptoms of like, you know, loose stool and, and different things like that and and other sort of gut related issues are going to be very different to multiple sclerosis, which affects the brain where people feel that their sort of ability to sense things is, is, is affected and there's a sort of like tingling sensation. And then you have like another disease which affects the gut, like celiac disease, where you know, if you eat gluten, then you, know, you have all this like really like fevers and stomach pains and, and different things. So I think there are common elements but they are quite distinct for the different diseases.
1: And so there's this large population of people suffering from autoimmune disease and around 80% of them are female. And so does this mean that their immune system is more active than the males?
2: Yeah, so it's quite interesting if you look at... The research on, it's so the, the general sort of topic is this sex as a biological variable, which maybe we can get on later, is an area of research that is quite severely understudied. But if you look at the incidence of cancer, males tend to develop cancer more and their mortality rate is increased compared to, to females' there's also due like during sepsis so if you have a bacterial infection your body produces this immune response and sometimes it can go like a bit over over the edge and can actually kill you males are more likely to die from sepsis so females are better at kind of controlling this response and there was a really interesting study done a number of years ago in the US military where they gave males a full flu vaccine dose and females a half flu vaccine dose. And the females had a more robust immune response than the males who had a full vaccine dose. So there is this idea that, that having two X chromosomes can actually make you have a more robust immune system, but in some cases can can ov- sort of overreach again and become overreactive to, towards the self.
1: So is this something that's practiced with, vaccines today in general practice do women get a different dose to men because of this sorry females and males yeah no Uh, it's
2: it's it's easy to to think like that yeah no i wouldn't i wouldn't say that's that's the case i think there is research on on this area but i wouldn't say it's in in practice no like when with the covid vaccines, for example there wasn't like a, a difference it was just get the vaccine you know
1: and how did you get interested in this area
2: So my master's degree was in these types of RNAs, these molecules produced by our body, which leads to protein production. Uh, These very interesting things called circular RNAs and their effects in epilepsy and and things. And I've always been interested in, in human biology. I never, at university, I remember learning about like plants and animal biology. I just, I guess I'm a narcissist. I never really cared about anything but me, you know? I was always like, how does this affect me, you know? And I've always kind of followed this this line. So I've been interested in human biology and these RNA molecules and their influence in health and disease. And then I finished that master's degree and I I guess I just wanted a a change and I saw there was this opportunity at the Garvin Institute, which is this medical research institute in in Darlinghurst in Sydney. And I just saw this project and thought it was was very interesting, very exciting. And at, at that time, I'd kind of been thinking about the ethics of science. Uh, I'd spent a, a long time not realizing that there's this sort of institutional level of, of science. So, doing a project on you know female health, I thought was quite quite exciting, and it was an area that I knew very little about. And then started my PhD in in, in this space. So, I guess I kind of fell into it. But once I realized what I was doing, I became more and more excited by it.
1: It is interesting, and it's it's interesting that there seems to be. From what you're saying there is a range of things where females suffer illnesses differently to males and perhaps respond to treatments like vaccines and maybe medications differently to males and that doesn't seem to have translated into general practice.
2: Well the research also isn't isn't there either. I was I was reading some some papers recently about this that So there's the National Institute of Health in in the U.S., which is a big funder of of medical research over in the States, or just research in in general, really. And in 2016, they introduced this policy where this sex as a biological variable was supposed to be be included, where the studies were supposed to have, you know, equal proportions of males and females and perform these uh, analyses in this sex-stratified way where you look at the males and females separately. And... There's been some uh, papers that have come out recently that have shown that although the number of studies which are including both males and females has increased, the actual proper statistical analyses and, and the actual methodologies haven't improved. So the research really is lacking this understanding of these sex differences. And and it's getting better, it's improving a lot, but still to this day, medications tested only on, on males. It's, it's a pretty big problem, but I think we can, we can do something about that.
1: I think it's really necessary. I mean, I was reading, even outside of physiological medical research, I was reading even when they're doing psychological experiments on mice, and for that matter, drug experiments mm-hmm. on mice, that they've discovered relatively recently that the mice were actually able to tell whether it was a male or a female researcher, and they behaved differently, and they even responded with the drugs because they were much more anxious around the male researchers. And this could invalidate and change a whole lot of mouse-based results.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think that's probably a big reason why the number of drugs tested on mice in these early, early phases of clinical trials, when they move into human trials, they don't work anymore. And I think that that's plays a significant role. So it seems
1: that looking at this, it's a big area. I mean, it's obviously very big in immunology, and that's your project. But it seems like it's a wider problem in science.
2: Yeah, agreed. Yes, that's that's true. Mm. And yeah, I, I was I was at a talk recently about this, about, you know, this gender health gap, they they call it. And I was quite surprised to hear that three percent of cardiologists in Australia are women. And there's a lot of interventional sort of approaches that you that you can you can take when when someone's you know rushed to hospital and they're often seen to be more more uh, risky or dangerous done on on you know on women and they will so they won't do it and and they will die and a, a lot of people don't realize this why well, i guess i didn't realize this is that the leading cause of death in males and females is heart attack but we only really associate heart attack with you know with older men right so yeah, as I said, a lot is needed to be done, but there is there is being work done on this.
0: You're listening to Ian Wells on the Fusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Come Your Joe Radio Network and podcast over the internet on diffusionradio.com.
1: And so for your project, how will you be investigating these effects?
2: Yeah, so I haven't really discussed the underlying biology a lot here. So in females, so XX females, because they have two X chromosomes, like a whole other X chromosome in every single cell than males do, it doesn't really make, make sense. That shouldn't be the case. Right? We, we know that there's um, issues when, when you have extra chromosomes. So trisomy 23 or Down syndrome, as it's also known. So in every female cell, one of these X chromosomes is inactivated or it's switched off through this epigenetic regulation. Basically, a bunch of chemical modifications on the chromosome and the chromosome sort of condenses down into this little sort of speck. But however, I guess I like to say because this is biology, that vision isn't perfect. Nothing in biology really works. I think that's, that's how it's designed. And so about 15 to 25% of genes on this inactivated X chromosome, they actually escape that inactivation. So that means that females are able to express more genes from the X chromosome than, than males ever could. It just so happens that on the X chromosome there's a large number of these immune regulating genes. So the hypothesis is that in females with autoimmune disease, this X chromosome inactivation, which which is what it's called, is sort of dysregulated in some way. It's it's not performing as as it should. And you know, as as I've said before, this this could lead to improved responses to viruses or, or, or bacteria, but in the case of autoimmune disease, it's sort of this overactive response against the self
1: so one of the x's is meant to be active Mm -hmm. and the other one's meant to be disabled in terms of immune responses but it's just just in in
2: gene expression in general gene expression in general
1: because it's it's not needed it's a backup and it is anyway (laughs) so you're getting much more
3: twice as much
2: yeah, I've I've been toying with an analogy. I don't know if this is a, a good one, but it's kind of like running a bath, right? So you yeah, you've got the, the hot tap going and you want a nice hot bath, but you don't want it too hot. So you add a bit of the cold water in. But if you add too much of that cold water in, you you it's not a very pleasant bath experience. So you you're always biology is always finding this this balance. And I guess in, in autoimmune disease, you've either got a bath that's too hot or too cold.
1: And you might have an extra tap.
2: <laughs> yeah oh yeah true yeah but well, that's something to be said interesting interesting you say that is that there are they're called x chromosome uh, aneuploidies. so these are males born with an extra x chromosome or females born with an extra x chromosome and there's also individuals with like you know, four or five x chromosomes and one Y. it's very very interesting but in these klinefelter syndrome and trisomy x these increasing number of chromosomes also has the potential i guess not necessarily a correlation with increasing autoimmune disease risk so that's i guess that's why i say like having more than one x chromosome can lead to increased risk because it happens in in, in males with, with a y chromosome
1: and how do we diagnose these autoimmune diseases do we have biological markers for them
2: there are biological markers, but as I as I said before, a lot of these diseases are very, very complicated. And so there's, you know, about a hundred different diseases and some of them are really rare, quite exceedingly rare. So the diagnosis of these conditions is typically like a battery of tests and you're just ticking off a box going, Well, you don't have this, you do have this, you don't have this, you don't have this But there's a quite a significant issue and I think this feeds back into the lack of sex stratified research is that the average time for diagnosis of an autoimmune disease is four years. So you could start having these symptoms and they start developing on and on and on. And the doctors are just telling you, Oh, we don't know what it is, or, you know, are you sure you're sick? Or there's a lot of, you know, anecdotal sort of stories of, of, you know, doctors just sort of dismissing these, these, you know, women coming in and and getting, trying to get a diagnosis. So I think there's ways to, in, to improve this because with rheumatoid arthritis, one of the main ways of diagnosing someone with rheumatoid arthritis, of course, is, you know, the swelling of the joints and the pain and the fatigue and, and these sorts of things, but also the antibodies that are produced, the specific antibodies that are, are produced in that. But there was a study I, I read recently that if you are trying to diagnose a female with uh, these this antibody test, it doesn't work as well. It's it's basically the test works better on, on males, even though they're less likely to have the disease. So, yeah, there's there's quite a lot of issues in, in the diagnosis of, of autoimmune disease.
1: And do you think that's likely to be one of the outcomes of your investigations, that it might? involve some of these biomarkers?
2: I'd love to, to do that. I think that would be something that would be like a really important contribution to, to the field. So one of the, I guess there's a jumping ship a little bit, but one of the aims of my, of my PhD is, is to perform this like machine learning analysis of, of gene expression data to understand, can we find genes encoded on the X chromosome that are able to uh, classify, or I guess like diagnose someone with with an autoimmune disease. So I mean, I'm still still working on 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 this uh, this area. I think you know, machine learning is very very complicated, and that is definitely true. But I think yeah, ideally by the end of my PhD, I'd like to have a a resource that could be that could be used um, by uh, clinicians into the future.
1: So you've mentioned a bit about doing some machine learning of, some, of gene expression. Mm. What other things will you be doing in this research to find these things out?
2: Well, I'm very, very lucky to have access to some quite amazing data sets. So I'm a, a computational biologist, so I, I work in this biology field, but my the data I work with is called single-cell RNA sequencing data, which is a bit of a mouthful, but basically... The idea is that if we can take individual cells, individual immune cells, so we've got you know like our B cells and our T cells, people might be familiar from from during the, the pandemic, and we look at inside each of these individual cells the the gene expression that that's occurring inside those those cells. So, the the um, mRNA molecules that are being produced inside that cell, we can take you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. I've got a, a data set of like 1.5 million like cells and I can perform various statistical analyses to basically compare females with and without an autoimmune disease and to understand the, the genes which are, which are both more abundant and less abundant and then makes these inferences about the, the actual proteins that are being produced by, by these, these genes and, and how they relate to developing autoimmune disease.
1: Well, that's amazing. So you're taking these data sets of all these millions of cells and you're doing all this analysis, some with machine learning and some other techniques. And so once you've got your results from the computational process, what do you do next with those?
2: Yeah, so I'm actually sort of designing this, this experiment at the moment, what we ideally would like to do is check that the machine learning is right, because that's a whole other conversation. But I think that there's a lot of issues with that. But the idea would be these targets that I've selected, these genes that I've identified, could we then do a, a study where we do a double blind study where we basically measure these particular genes in, in patients and in controls? And work out is the are the targets that I've I've selected are they actually able to distinguish between these these patients in a clinically relevant way? So if I'm you know having high accuracy and high high precision and recall these these terms, but the idea is that could we develop a yeah a biomarker test to stratify the, these patients not only whether having disease or not disease but what stage of the disease are you I think that would be like a really really beneficial study to to do as a conclusion to to what I already have done
1: yeah so that's amazing so in your role you get to do the computational work and the, the physical experiments as well
2: Oh, it definitely won't be me i've i although i teach at university how to do lab work i do not know how to do lab work i have like a second year undergrad level of of understanding so wouldn't definitely wouldn't be me but it would be I, i would be part of the team that's designing this experiment and then then interpreting those those results yes
1: and what was your career path how did you i mean you told me how you got interested in this particular project uh, did you start with a biology degree? What was your way in to your career?
2: Yeah, so I started a just a you know bog standard Bachelor of Science at Macquarie University, and I started getting really interested in in anatomy and as I said like human biology and these sorts of so I did like a double degree of human biology and biomolecular science so. Wow understanding how the the proteins and the RNAs and the DNA and all these things, they're sort of building up our physiology and then obviously the the gross anatomy, you know, looking at the cadavers and all these sorts of things. And I was really, yeah, really interested in in neuroscience. And I still remain very interested in in neuroscience. I think I've kind of accidentally found myself interested in two of the most complicated organ systems, the the immune system and and the brain, but yeah, once I finished that that degree, I did this, you know, postgrad research in, the, you know, these like circular RNAs, epilepsy. I did some other work on, on ASD, like autism spectrum disorder, and then yeah, I, I guess I just took a bit of a bit of a leap going from neuroscience into immunology, and I would recommend people do it because I think having that experience in both camps is really fascinating, but definitely know what you're getting into because I did not. I did not realize how just incredibly complicated the immune system is. So, yeah, I should have I guess I should have thought about that beforehand, but I'm glad I did it, you know. Yeah.
1: Do you want to make any concluding statements?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think if 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 you can take anything out of this 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 episode, it's have more critique of, of the findings that you read in a in medical world. I think, I think there's, there's a lot to be said for the, the biases embedded in, in medical research. And, and hopefully in, into the near future, we can, we can do something more about this. Well, Lachlan Gray, thank you very much. Thank you.
1: That was Lachlan Gray, PhD student at the University of New South Wales, investigating how having two X chromosomes may explain why more females suffer from autoimmune diseases than males. You can hear more from Lachlan on his podcast Research Bites
3: And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Are you a scientist artist, biohacker or maker who'd like to be interviewed about your work? Would your company like to sponsor Diffusion? Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com That's science at diffusionradio.com Please subscribe to the Diffusion Science Radio channel on youtube.com slash c slash Diffusion Radio and rate the show on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolfe. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 28 stations on the community radio network, including Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM in New South Wales, 8 C in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2MVR in Nambucca Valley, 3MVR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia, City Park Radio 7LTN in Launceston, Tasmania, and 2XXFM in Canberra. Diffusion is narrowcast on Indigo FM 88 in North East Victoria. Diffusion is syndicated globally on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website www.diffusionradio.com That's www.diffusionradio.com and check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, you can explore more than a thousand previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Make a donation through paypal.me slash Wolf. or join my patrons at patreon.com slash diffusion radio. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio.
0: Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate.